0: listen up for a new offer for free electrolytes for everyone even if you've already made a purchase when you are dehydrated you need more than just water your body also needs minerals That's because water absorption in your cells is dependent upon electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium, and you lose electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom, and you have to replenish them through food and supplementation. If you're active or you follow a whole foods diet or you're stressed and struggling with adrenal dysfunction, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. Deficiencies can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances or those stars when you go from seated to standing, especially on workout days, which was my experience. I let that go on for far too long. And now that I replace my electrolytes, I can tell you that I have not had that happen in so long. I also have much better recovery and can handle more workouts. Element is by far the best electrolyte supplementation Coming from somebody who spent years in the endurance world, I can say that confidently. They make grab-and-go electrolyte replacement with no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly— it's travel friendly too and great for kids. My kids love it. We even took it with us on vacation and everyone gets a free gift with purchase. Element comes in boxes of 30 and there is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free eight pack which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed and make sure to use our code wellfed for the free sample eight pack. Again, that's drink element.com forward slash wellfed. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at Women. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. We are so happy you are here. This is episode number 392. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. If you're looking for show notes for this episode or any of the other episodes with this podcast, you can go to Coconuts and Kettlebells. If you go to the top, um, there is a little word, podcast at the top. You can click on that and you will see all the... 391 other episodes and the show notes for those episodes and all the links. So I'm here today with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, author of Sexy by Nature and founder of health2empower.com. She is in France right now, and we, for the first time ever, are recording ourselves on video after seven years. It's 2022. <laughs> Finally, are like, maybe we should turn this into a video at some point. So we're trying that today. Um, today we're going to be talking about dealing with slightly elevated blood sugar. We're also talking about body odor, which I did a lot of research about this, grabbed some new facts. So that should be fun. Um, we're also going to be talking about stressing out over supplements and what to take. So I want to kind of unpack why that might be because I do feel like a lot of us struggle with. Should we be taking X, Y, and Z supplement? How do I know when to not take it? And then what to prioritize and how to know if like a supplement's actually working for you. Should you stay on it? Welcome, Stephanie.
1: Hello. Um, So after several hundred episodes on Skype, I had no idea where the unmute button was on Zoom. So
0: it took me a second. took me a second. Hello. Thank you. Hey, so I did change platforms because I, well, so I tested this on our dinosaur app, Skype. Um, (laughs) And it like, you could kind of hear the feedback a little bit when you did video. So that's why I transitioned us over to Zoom at the last minute. I'm like, hey, can you get over here? So um, I didn't prep you, but you look great. (laughs) Thanks. It's it's funny because all day today I was thinking
1: there's something about today that I'm forgetting, you know, like there's something about today that I'm forgetting. And I got here early. I laid out my things. I've got my notebook and my water and it's all like symmetrical on my desk. And at three fifty nine, Noel says, okay, so you ready to video? And I'm like, just a second. <laughs> <laughs> just a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, no, it's time perfect. Time. I forgot it's in my calendar. It's written down. It's just, I, it, it, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it was totally fine. All I had to do was uh, I did pop my contacts in for this uh, audience. So
0: girl, if you caught me last minute, <laughs> it would, I would be like, Nope, not doing it. <laughs> Cause usually, well, you know, I <laughs> haven't showered and I'm in like my sweats and not, not cute. So.
1: Mm, well, I, uh, I leave, uh, I do leave the house every day. And I'm also in France and there's this, I'm just really, it's funny. You actually, I wanted to bring this up. You asked me if my color palette had changed since moving to France. And in yeah. the first couple of days, I was like, nah. And after a week, I was just like so excited. I'm like, this is amazing. They do neutrals so well here. And oh, I'm wearing yeah. like, I'm wearing less makeup than I used to and stuff like that. So I am definitely adapting. I've got a lot of like loose oh, really? flowy pants neutrals so wow yeah.
0: flowy pants
1: flowy pants yeah
0: so they so do you feel like europeans wear less makeup overall or are they just not as concerned about that or is it just a different look um i wouldn't say um i think it's
1: it's definitely quite different across the continent but in france I think uh I think there's a real appreciation of like less is more in so many ways right the dogs tend to be smaller the coffees you can't get a co- you can't get a coffee bigger than this if your life depended on it i mean you can find a starbucks in in most major cities you know like somewhere mm-hmm. but there's you know um there's not a lot of chains and uh, yeah coffees are small like lots of things are smaller lots of uh, the aesthetic is a little bit i mean you know it's it's global and stuff, but there's just yeah. a little bit, a little bit, it's a little bit less loud in, in a lot of ways, which is very, and in fact, the speaking is actually even quieter. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. I, I'm a total novice at the, at the French life. So
0: are you enjoying your time in Lyon? Is that where you're at?
1: So much. Yeah, I really, really am. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I will have arrived back, but I am popping home back to the States for August to um, sort a lot of details, sorting a lot of details. Um, like getting my visa, selling my car, that sort of thing. So
0: I yeah. had this dream that you were going to move somewhere. Cause at some point you were thinking about DC and I was like, wow, we'll get to do things together again. And then you like went right back <laughs> further, so far away. I did.
1: I mean, but we have the blessings of our virtual connection as we have for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I did, I tried, I tried, but what I needed to do, it's not necessarily where, I mean, I really, I like living in Europe for a lot of reasons, but Mm -hmm. uh, more importantly, I I needed to find um, somewhere where I could pursue like the philosophical stuff that I want to be pursuing. And I happened to find it in one of my favorite cities, which is just like, mind blowing how lucky i got with that. so anyway um yeah i'm uh, i'm good. how you doing?
0: um okay. <laughs> i'm like how honest do i be? no, i'm good. i'm good. it's just, you know, life's always a little bit nuts and crazy and the summer has been a little A little overwhelming, um, but, but things are good. Like my husband, you know, just different things. Like husband started a new job. My kids are starting two new different schools, um, in a few weeks. So there's just a lot, a lot that comes with managing, (laughs) managing children and schedules. And, um, Stella just started team gymnastics. She absolutely adores it. Loves
1: gymnastics.
0: Really good at it. Like is talented and just wants to do it all the time. So they're like, well, we want to like bump her up if that's okay with you. And it's this amazing coach who's super balanced and is really, it's not just gymnastics. She does a lot of just like strength training with them. So she does it twice a week, but it's like an hour and 45 minutes at a time. And so it gets, it, it's just a lot on us as a family. So we're just trying to make sure that it's like the right decision because it's a 20, the gym's 20 minutes away. So it's a long, you know, chunk of our day every, you know, twice, a twice a week. Um, so we're just trying to like, I guess, fall into that schedule. And I'm trying to figure out what are my priorities as a mom and as a business owner and all of that kind of stuff. And what is it that how, like, how do I want to navigate these years with my children, young in school, doing a lot of pickups and drop-offs. My kids are very active. So like, what do I, you know, what do I prioritize? Um, and what do I pull back from? So I've been wrestling with that a lot. And honestly, I don't have clear answers. (laughs) I have no answer. So I just feel like I'm kind of wrestling with that decision. And I know a lot of women do, you know, this is us always trying to figure out what do we prioritize and where do we put our time? Um, and I don't feel peace about anything right now. So (laughs) I don't know. I always have this little bit of tension and my husband is. doing new things too. And he honestly is like, I would love to just go part-time so I could like support you and support us more. Cause I have a lot of things that I want to do, but is that worth our time? And is that where I want to be spending my time, you know, during these years? So, mm-hmm. um, I just, I feel unsettled. <laughs> hence the, hence the, uh, reservations. I am working on a new project, which I'm really, really excited about and it's fun to be passionate about something again not to say that what I do I'm not passionate about but well no let me be honest I'm not super passionate about social media like I feel like a lot of aspects of the running a modern business are not super like I'm not jazzed about you know and so you do a good job making it seem like you are for what it's worth oh good I'm glad (laughs) (laughs) that's believable With the Um, reels and the I have I have fun with some of that stuff Um, I do. It's the pressure to constantly be producing. It's it's a balance of, well, I'll just get real. It's a balance of not feeling like you can take downtime away from your things. So if I put my time into really what's actually more revenue generating thing tasks for me, it's typically not, then it leaves social media where I'm not really putting, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just kind of randomly posting things here or there. But then that makes me feel a little bit nervous or unsettled or anxious because I'm like, oh man, I built this, you know, I've put a lot of time into social media over the years. And do I just like not, like, I don't want to just not use it. I feel like then then it's like, I you can't get it back. Once you've kind of fallen off the grid, it's very hard to like get re-engaged again and get your, you know, let hope that the algorithm lets you be seen again. So like, it's this balance of, I have fun. I would like to do it a whole lot less than I do it. A lot of it is just this pressure to stay, like keep it going so that you don't lose it. Because, you know, for those of us who have been on social media for a very long time, you you see, eventually it happens to everybody. Um, you build a following and then eventually it doesn't and everything's going well. And then at some point, everything changes and you don't necessarily reach your, your people, your community anymore. So it's turned into something that's not as fun. So I'm trying to, again, figure out what's the balance, like, you know, how much time do I put into that versus the other things that I really do truly enjoy. Um, so, I mean, we saw it happen with Facebook. You used to have a huge Facebook and then it's like, no, you know, nobody could see anything anymore after a few years. Yeah, yeah because I man- I managed that Facebook um for you Facebook page. Um so anyway, it's just you know a balance of figuring out if I if I were to do the things that I want to do it doesn't necessarily like I I definitely would have to let go of some things. Um and anyway, so I am working on a project that I am really excited about. Um, it's called, and I'll, I'll update everybody as we get closer. Cause right now we don't have a set start date, but it's called how she grew, um, how she grew.com. And I've, I'm collaborating with a few other people, which I found that some of the best things, the most fun things that I do is when I get to collaborate with other people, like this is why this podcast is still going right. Cause like we, it's, it's more of, um, it's something that we get to do together and it's a way for us to like (laughs) nourish ourselves, but also like nourish friendship and community and connection and all that kind of stuff at the same time as like, you know, working and helping our community and like being involved with our community. So um, our communities, so how she grew, I'm collaborating with a few other people. um, Liz Wolf being one of them, Elena Haber being another, both of them have been on this podcast. But essentially what we're going to be doing is trying to put together a collaborative like event that where we interview and highlight 30 plus of the top like experts who are influencers, practitioners, nutritional therapy practitioners, um, people basically who have kind of built an online business or online presence or is like an influencer or has like a strong knowledge in whatever space they're in whether that's they sell a course they work on one on one as a nutritional therapy practitioner with people they've you know created an online product a digital product maybe they've written books we want to bring together like the top people from the field and kind of do an interview not about what they're experts in but about how they grew their business what did they start with what were some of the mistakes they made what are their resources like all the things so that it's sort of like a, a cheat sheet or a blueprint like it's it's basically a you know how many times have people messaged you and said like i want to go to coffee with her you know like I, I would love to take take you out to coffee can i take you out to coffee or man, i wish i could just like you know, sit down and have a chat with her. Like so many people say that in my DMS, I say that about a lot of people that I see, you know, doing whatever they're doing online. And so this is going to be an opportunity for you to like, take these people out to coffee, essentially. Um. So we'll have like, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be like a bunch of one hour ish interviews. And then we'll also have like guides and resources and stuff notes basically from the sessions. So and like, I like essentially like here's all the apps that were mentioned or here's the resources that were mentioned that you can take and use and hopefully build whatever you want to build from that, whether it's a side hustle or you're trying to build a practice or trying to work one-on-one with people or sell your services or whatever online. Um, Because that's where everything has moved and it's, that's such a hurdle. Like uh, starting a business is already a hurdle or starting a side hustle is a, is a hurdle in and of itself. But then having the additional hurdle of like doing it all online is is pretty difficult. You know, it, it takes a while to figure all that out. So howshegrew.com, hopefully it'll launch soon. If you want to uh, just go to howshegrew.com. Um, actually, go, no, go to coconutsandcattleballs.com slash howshegrew if you want to sign up to get updates about that. Um, I'll create an individual list for that, but how she grew.com also is where you can stay in touch. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Any, um, are you,
1: besides, do I have things
0: <laughs> besides being in France and working on, um, you're getting another PhD. Is that what you're working on this, this fall?
1: Um, it's on, un- it's unclear yet. Um, what the next steps will be. What I have done is come to this university to um, start getting to know people and talking about how we we might be formalizing our relationships. Uh, So it's possible actually that I might do another doctorate, but that's uh, yet to be decided. Uh, And it depends a lot, of course, on like the logistics and the admin and and all that sort of thing. Um, So... Uh, I was working on a book project quite assiduously over the summer, uh, but I have set it aside because it needs to. Uh, I have decided it needs to sink in and percolate. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, um, it's about self love in the modern world. So it's like a really great mix of um, my passion for empowerment and also uh, philosophy and and the stuff that I uh, have been engaging in in reading. Um, it's definitely going to be. Uh, like a like a more philosophical it's going to be very me obviously but uh, that book is that book is going to sit um and uh, marinate Is is the word i was looking for for a while um and what i'm working on over the next year will be very helpful for that i'm studying uh, one of the people i'm studying is a philosopher named william james who actually was the first person to articulate a theory of self-esteem Uh, to the best of my knowledge, which is very cool. Uh, And I actually didn't know that until very recently. But uh, yeah, so I'm doing a bunch of stuff that's very exciting in that sense. uh, But the book is actually going to be on pause and me launching all of my own um, philosophical resources will happen slowly over the course of, will happen slowly um, over the course of the next several months. It's definitely happening, but I am letting myself take my time because when I take my time with things, they come out better who'd have thought yes who'd have thought, who'd have
0: thought? So i know
1: i did all this rushing to get everything done before 30 or whatever and then once i hit 30 i was like i that was a. that was that was a, I, I don't know that was a mistake <laughs> i don't know if i would call it a mistake but like i have a new method now which is like take as long as everything needs like how long should something take as long as it needs
0: i love that yeah thanks Good, good nuggets, good nuggets, Stephanie Ripper, the, <laughs> the philosopher. Okay, thank you. Let's let's jump to question number one. This is pretty interesting. This is from Brittany. She says slightly elevated blood sugar. The doctor always just tells my husband to, in quotations, take a walk after dinner, but it's been this way for two years in a row. What should we be looking into and changing?
1: Great question. Very interesting advice. Uh, while it can be helpful for managing your blood sugar on a day-to-day basis, uh, to do a little bit of exercise after a meal or in between meals, or just in general, big fan of weightlifting over here for that. <laughs> um, um, a, a walk after dinner is is definitely. Again, like it, it's a it's one of those things that's like a short term management, but not necessarily like really getting under the hood, which I think is what you're getting at with your question. Uh so I would definitely uh dive a little bit deeper. You know, you said that the blood sugar is slightly elevated, um, but what uh, what are the metrics that you're using to measure that, right? And what does your you know, doctor think? Or, or have you looked at your fasting insulin, for example, right? If your blood sugar is elevated after meals, is that because you got a blood test done? Or did you, do you have one of those finger pricky do What are they called again? <laughs> blood
0: glucose, blood sugar, blood glucose
1: monitor. Right. So if you don't have a blood glucose monitor, you could get one. If that's something, if you were interested in charting your blood glucose throughout the day, is it after every single meal, right? How long does it take for your blood glucose to, you know, to titrate back down? Um, and I would definitely also want to look at the fasting um, insulin levels because that can give you like a more like a like a picture of of how uh, the insulin system is working right absent of meals. So uh, i some things to look into you might also want to look into inflammatory markers like maybe get a c-reactive protein tested to see um, if there's some underlying inflammation um, happening those are probably the like things i would look into first It's just to dig more deeply into the blood sugar and the insulin um, and whether there's any inflammatory markers i would take stock of other potential symptoms and you know sort of map them in my head like are they related you know um, and i I would do that in terms of uh, what to do once you get those numbers, uh, or even I mean before you get those numbers, uh, trying to manage insulin sensitivity, uh, eating a low inflammation, high nutrient dense diet is also is always uh, always great. I'm a huge fan of weightlifting and or short sprints occasionally. For working out, if we're talking about exercise, walking, of course, is lovely. Huge fan of walking. I know Noel's a huge fan of walking. Noel put up an Instagram thing recently. Like, do you consider walking exercise? I said yes. <laughs> for the record, I said yes. Um, and uh, I would. I mean, those are like those are simple. Those are simple things. You might want to experiment with meal timing with a lower carbohydrate approach. But again, if we're looking at like under the hood causes of blood sugar spikes or dysregulation or some light insulin sensitivity insensitivity uh, i would look primarily at inflammation and uh, yeah dialing that in so anything that you eat anything that you do reducing stress like nice exercise patterns that are conducive to your flourishing and then work for your like particular situation I'm talking in really obscure generalities right now, but like big picture, you know, I would get testing done and then like work slowly on, on insulin stuff. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to throw my husband under the bus a little bit with this one. Um, So, so when I was doing, um, it's, I'm interested to know how he found out this. I'm guessing maybe he's he did some testing at some point, um, but I wonder did did he have any symptoms when he found out he had slightly elevated blood sugar, or was it just like a, oh, we're gonna go to the to the you know doctor and see how everything is going? Because I think sometimes those symptoms, so just watch out for symptoms. But I I think sometimes we ignore the the smaller things that could also be giving us clues as to why this is a problem. Um, For my husband, he didn't have any symptoms, but uh, when I was doing my own blood glucose monitoring for both of my pregnancies, he did it alongside of me and with me. And we found out, especially in comparison to each other. So like I would wake up my fasting. I don't remember. So if this is off, I, I apologize. But my fasting blood glucose was always somewhere in the 70s. It was more, I think it was probably sometimes more like 77 around that. And his was always in the nineties, which is like, it's like less slightly elevated for when you wake up in the morning, it was pretty normal after meals, but the fasting slightly elevated was kind of like a a cause of just, just something that we were like, Hmm, this is interesting. We need to kind of think about this more. And we did do an interview with Rob Wolf about the kind of being selective and testing specific carbohydrates. So that's what we moved to, which is like, okay, let's see how certain carbs impact your body. Because I do believe that there is a strong genetic component where we're talking about how our body utilizes sugar and balances blood sugar. I don't have any heart disease in my family. Um, on either side. Um, most of what's in my family has been lung cancer and cancers because of smoking and, um, like cancer, um, cancer because of farming and the chemicals used in farming. So for me, it makes sense that I have good, you know, and of course we eat healthy and all the things. So I know that that plays into it, right. I'm, I'm intentional with, including nutrient dense foods and I don't we're not, I'm not eating a lot of processed in quotations carbohydrates right most of my carbohydrate sources are from real food and as is my husband's though so my husband and I are eating the same diet <laughs> and his he has a higher fasting blood glucose now in his genetics in his history he actually has heart disease quite a bit so he's actually lost family members to heart disease and heart attacks and stuff like that. So to me, it genetically kind of makes sense. And so you just have to be a little bit more aware of what that can turn into. Slightly elevated, I think, you know, I think we know that the standard parameters of like what's slightly elevated and what's pre-diabetic are not that great. So I'm, I'm not sure if it's slightly elevated for you or slightly elevated on the conventional scale, but when you start to see the fasting numbers, like in the nineties, it's something to definitely think about. So one of the things that you could experiment with is testing certain carbohydrates. So if he was open to it, he could use a continuous glucose monitor. I don't have any personal experience with this. I know they are very, very popular. It's just not something I am interested in doing, but it might be right for him where he could be able to see how his body is responding to very specific meals or specific carbohydrates. I found it really fascinating when Rob Wolf talked about how certain carbohydrates, things that you wouldn't think would be a problem were a problem for him. So I'm going to misquote it, but it was something like Rice was fine for him and potatoes were fine for him, but it was beans that would throw his blood sugar completely out of whack and really cause it to be elevated. So I think that it might be worth experimenting and finding your individual carbohydrate tolerance. For my husband, he pretty we pretty much got rid of corn. This is the same time he actually, we found out he had a thyroid issue. Again, he's never had any symptoms, um, but- we pretty much took out corn completely and he started doing a little bit lower carbohydrate. So he was aware of the fact that, wow, like my my fasting glucose is not exactly where it needs to be. So I probably am just going to focus more on, on protein and fats, less on carbohydrate. So he did pull it down. Now, when we eat potatoes and stuff like that, like he still eats it, he still eats rice. It's not that he's doing low carbohydrate. He's just more aware of it and more intentional with bringing in more protein and more fat. Um, the other thing that I think is really important to consider when we're talking about blood sugar is stress because stress does impact your blood sugar. And so if you have unmanaged stress or whether it's like trauma you haven't dealt with or, um, lack of sleep, like the number one thing that's going to screw up your blood sugar is not sleeping. So you've got to be thinking about not just what am I eating? Like, I think that as you know, nutritional therapists or people who are interested in nutrition or people who are listening interested in holistic health, which is a lot of people listening. You know, we all are really interested in the impact of food, but food is just such a small piece of health. Even when we're talking about insulin sensitivity and how our body responds with, you know, carbohydrates and blood sugar management. It's also so important, you know, our sleep and how well we're sleeping and the quality of our sleep. It's how we're managing our stress. It's are we saying no to things or are we constantly filling our calendars up? How is our relationship with our work and our career? Or do we have support? Do we have connection? And it, it, weightlifting. <laughs> okay. So I was like, wait, Steph said that. But like for me, lifting weights and being that this is the beauty of strength training is that it not only improves you know, your bone density, it makes you stronger. It also really improves insulin sensitivity. So of course you want to do it within the context of managing your stress and making sure that you are, you know, prioritize sleep first, then get some strength, strength workouts in and be intentional with that. If you want to, I think it might be interesting to do maybe something, I mean, taking a walk after dinner, has that helped? You know, see if that helps. And if it does, then it might be worth doing that for five to 10, you know, a short walk. It doesn't have to be a lot. I love taking a walk after dinner. If it's, you know, if the bugs aren't taking over, I love it. I really do like just kind of going around the block and we give our kids the pop, you know, a couple popsicles and we walk around the block. And that's really fun for us as a family. So I don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea. I just want to know, is that working? (laughs) Like, So, you know, test your fasting blood glucose again in the morning. And if that's working, maybe that's something that you just keep doing for now while you're looking at other biomarkers and other things. If that's not doing anything, maybe shift to, you know, doing a little bit more intentional strength training and being intentional with the carbohydrates that you're including and managing stress. So those are my thoughts. Anything else to add? Uh, that was, uh,
1: your personal experience is very illuminating. Thank you. I think that's great. And I personally, you know, again, talking about, I think habits are so important and the habit of walking after dinner is cool. You can also throw in like, you know, 10 minutes of push-ups or bicep curls or some kind of muscle building that isn't even like, you don't have to do a full workout, right? But if you do a little bit of muscle building,
0: just a little bit. It just, you know what I mean? Like habitually, I can make Mm -hmm. such a difference. Yeah, no, I agree. If you struggle to fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night, I have the thing that will help and a code to get you 50% off. If you haven't tried high quality CBD oil, it can be life-changing, and even if you have, using a potent product and taking enough can make all the difference when it comes to anxiety, sleep disturbances, stress, and chronic pain. I love feels CBD oil. I found feels F-E-A-L-S feels a little over a year ago and I decided to start experimenting with it because it's organic natural and entirely produced in the USA. They use 100% organic MCT oil as the carrier oil to stabilize and increase the CBD's bioavailability. Their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients and without the use of fillers, flavors, or unnecessary fluff. Feels CBD oil naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness and the way it works is that CBD interacts with your endocannabinoid cannabinoid system. Just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin, we also have receptors for cannabinoids. It couldn't be easier to use. Just place a dropper of the Feel CBD oil under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that potency is important. And if you've taken CBD oil in the past and not seen any results, you may have not had a potent product. I recently upped my dose, it's a pretty high dose, it's the strongest one feels makes, but it has made such a difference. It's a lifesaver in the second half of my cycle when I'm struggling with sleep. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep, it helps me fall back to sleep instantly. The best way to get high quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a feels member that gives you 30% off, which is huge. I'm a member and I have the 2,400 milligram bottle shipped every two months. You can pause or cancel at any time. And with our special code, you actually get 50% off your first order. Become a member today by going to feels.com forward slash well fed, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S.com forward slash well fed, Become a member and get 50% off your first order. Okay, question number two is from Nicole. She says, body odor. I can't shake it. Nine months postpartum. I've used every, in quotation, safe deodorant, currently using Beauty Counter, and I stink. Hot and humid climates with lots of time outside doesn't help. Looking for tips, tricks, and anything that is a clean solution.
1: I am so happy we're talking about this because A, I know Noelle does a ton of research about this and I'm really excited to hear about it. And also about three weeks ago, I typed this super long Instagram message to Noelle and I was like, hey, I've got this experience with body odor and it's like changed my life and I like told you all about it. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just like mention it if we podcast about it soon. And now we are. And so now I get to talk about it.
0: Oh, yay. (laughs) Although I am sad I missed out on this long message, but yes. I, I, you had you had recently,
1: you had just posted, um, something was going on with you in your life. And I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to like, your stories were all very. Um, oh, it was probably my dog. Was it around yeah, the time my dog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to message her about my armpits right now. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm going to wait. So I shelved it.
0: Okay. Uh, I care about my dog and I care about your armpits. You both <laughs> at the same time.
1: Thank you. So I
0: appreciate you looking out for my health.
1: Yeah. And I know like, you know, Instagram and DMs and anyway. So I had this experience and I'm not going to be able to give you like the best deodorant brand or like whatever. I'm not going to fix everything. But I had one experience that has like changed how I'm approaching my armpits for the rest of my life. So I like, I normally don't have to wear deodorant when I go dancing because I sweat a lot, but it's like fine. I sweat a lot. It's fine. It evaporates. It doesn't smell bad. It's like fine. And then I started like getting kind of stinky a few weeks ago. And I was like, what is happening? Why am I, why is it? Because it's so hot. Is it because of something I'm eating? Is it because of the, le, le, le like, I don't so um, it's not obviously. Um, what I had done was I was starting to wash and moisturize with something scented and mm. yeah, And I haven't figured out if it was the lotion. I know the lotion was a problem, but I also don't know if the body wash was a problem. But I think what happened, so my sweat was smelling like really sour grapefruits. And I was, I was wearing grapefruit scented lotion. (laughs) I swear. Okay. okay. And I was like, what's happening? And it's the worst because I'm dancing with people and I'm used to not smelling bad when I sweat. Oh, yeah. And so all of a sudden I'm dancing and I'm really close. And like these people who I just like, am trying to build beautiful dance flirtation relationships with, and their faces are like right here. If you're looking on the video, they're like right here. My armpits are right here. And I'm dancing like this, trying to like, don't smell my like grapefruit <laughs> thing that's going on. So anyway, I think what happens is, like, if I'm wearing a scented lotion, it gets in my pores, and then when I sweat, it it, it, like becomes sweat-like. And I also think my hypothesis is that some perfumed washes in the shower can do this too. Not all of them, but I think it's it's possible um, that like a like a shower gel with a fragrance or something, um, if it sticks around, if it stays on your skin or in your pores, then when I sweat, like, I facilitated like a whole new (laughs) it's like not good so then i stopped and then i used the moisturizer like only up to like below my shoulder and then uh it hasn't happened since Ah. so uh anyway so that's my insight which is like stuff that's on my skin or in my pores um made me made me um stinky so uh, that's just in addition to all the other like weird anecdotes we've had about sweat <laughs> over the years. Cause there's yes, been, like, <laughs> I don't have any science for you, but that was something I recently experienced. If you're like, if you're moisturizing on your shoulders and if you sweat, it could like, you know, yeah. So it just anyway, that's my, that's my cute little story. Go ahead. Okay. Now with the real science.
0: <laughs> no, well, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense because based off of like kind of what I was the research I was doing maybe a lot of people know this maybe a lot of people don't I really had never thought about it a ton and which is weird because as as the story goes I have a very healthy sweat rate and doing endurance training I mean growing up in in junior high I sweat a ton and I always had like sweat marks so I'd always wear jackets and then um it kind of regulated after puberty but then like doing endurance training like I just I just I don't know. I trained my body to like sweat a lot. Um, where a a lot of people don't sweat a ton, like my husband does, but he doesn't sweat as much as I do. Like I will, I have to replenish with a lot of water and electrolytes when I'm working out or else I'm like done. So it prompted me to do a little bit more digging as to like, what is body odor? Like, where does that odor come from? Your sweat is actually odorless, which I was like, Oh, of course it is. So, yeah. but body odor is a real thing and sweat is what causes it. So we all have sweat glands. We all have different types of sweat glands. There's two types. It's eccrine and apocrine. And those eccrine glands are found all over your body and they release like water and salt. Um, And that's usually what kind of keeps you cool. But then there's also the second type of glands. They're highly concentrated where your hair follicles are. So that's why you have these, apocrine glands really concentrated in your armpits. Um, And the sweat is primarily salt and water, but it also contains proteins and fats. And that's very unique to these specific sweat glands. So what causes the odor is actually the bacteria on your skin. So the bacteria start digesting those nutrient compounds, and then they convert what is an odorless compound into these more smelly ones. So there are some things that can make your you stinkier, so to speak, or, you know, cause your body to stink more. Um, and it's because I think, I think it's because of the compounds in your sweat will create different odors when the bacteria digest it. So research actually does suggest like certain things. So diets higher in sugar can cause more body odor and then being dehydrated can make you sweat like your sweat be more concentrated so it will be (laughs) stinkier, so to speak. And then I've, I've mentioned this too, but what you wear is actually can cause more odor. So if your clothes stink, it's not your sweat that's stinking. It's because the materials that you're wearing or the shirt that you're wearing is not really great at wicking sweat or drying quickly. So it holds on to that sweat. And then the bacteria are in that in your shirt and on your clothes too. And they have more to eat. So synthetic materials like polyester um, can hold the odor more than natural fabrics like cotton. And this is why moreno wool is stink free. So it's very expensive. But I remember back in the day when I was running, they had these moreno wool shirts. And the way that they marketed them was like these are going to be stink free because they hand they wick they're drying and they the bacteria doesn't sit on them so um i think it makes sense about the the what what was it grapefruit stinky sour grapefruit because if it's in your pores and it's in your skin then the bacteria is somewhat you know eating it so to speak um Mm -hmm. so that makes sense to me um I have, there are a couple other things that say that, you you know, you could make your sweat a little bit stinkier. And one of the things that I think is really interesting to think about is, I mean, even just like you being in France and maybe being outside, I've been seeing you dance outside a lot more. Like, I think a lot of our environment is also. So like, if we are outside more in a more concentrated area, like a city or whatever, as opposed to being outside more, I do think like, you know, we are exposing ourselves constantly to environmental toxins. So if they're like on our skin, it's just gonna it's gonna change the way our our sweat smells. Um, but also, there's things that cause you to sweat more. So stress is one of them. Stress, you know, pre- requires you to produce more cortisol and adrenaline, which causes you to sweat more, which will cause you to stink more. Um, doesn't, um, sorry, doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't it? It creates a different quality of sweat. Stress
1: um doesn't it isn't it um
0: define quality of stress that 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 sweat the the apocrine and the um if i were to guess it would be that it would make your your eccrine or ap, not the eccrine glands but the apocrine glands so the ones that are more concentrated with hair follicles i would think correct. it would make you sweat more in those i think it does and um
1: cuz i have done a a bunch of research about this for the podcast previously yeah <laughs> And, um, but my personal experience and I'm sorry for interrupting you. My personal experience was always, um, that again, when I dance, I never smell bad, but if I'm anxious at an interview and I sweat just a little bit, like I sweat buckets at dance, no yeah. smell. I sweat just a little bit at an interview and you can smell me like four feet away, you know? <laughs> right. You know, and that, so that makes
0: sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, well, so. And then, within the context of this question, hormones and hormone fluctuations can actually cause you to sweat more, which would increase body odor. I don't, I didn't, couldn't find any research about it causing more sweat in the apocrine glands, and it, you know, doing anything else to sweat, like adding more protein or whatever. It, I didn't. There's nothing. Surprise, surprise. There's no research about that. But we do know that certain hormonal fluctuations can cause you to sweat more, and it's no surprise to me that postpartum. I mean, postpartum is just a cluster, you know, it's just, it's just nuts. So you're not sleeping, you're stressed out, your body's re-regulating hormones, you're stressed out. So like, it, it makes sense to me that you would be, um, sweating more. The only other thing I will mention is the ammonia smell. So I used to smell ammonia after long runs and that's what my sweat would smell like. So that's not normal. It shouldn't be standard, but ammonia is changed into urea, which is excreted by the kidneys. But when your body is producing the urea faster than your kidneys can filter it, that's when it leaches into your sweat. So there's a few things that can cause that smell. And that's when you're exercising for long bouts and your body's like, you know, can't excrete it quick enough. High-protein, low-carbohydrate diets can cause that smell as well. So I just want to make sure that that's not what you're smelling. And then kidney disease. I'm not assuming you don't have kidney disease. Um, So obviously, stopping the sweat is not the goal. The goal is to let your body sweat and detox properly. If you feel like, you know, think about what you're putting on your skin and also, like, make sure there's no fragrance in what Steph was mentioning, like lotions and stuff like that. I do find that maybe during these like stre- more stressful times, it might be helpful to like support your armpits detoxification. You can use like a little bit of a charcoal bar. Um, I can link to my favorite one in the show notes. I have mine in the shower and, um, and I do use it in the shower when I feel like I've worked like today was so hot. It's so hot and it's so I, I work out in my gym, in my garage, my gyms in my garage and it was so humid and it just, it's just, <laughs> it gets real sweaty. And I don't necessarily feel like I stink more, but I can tell that like my pits are not, like I don't smell them, but like if I were to smell them, you know what I mean? Like I'd be like, mm. so I try when I, I know that I've sweat a ton and I've been working out and it's, you know, I'm kind of grimy from being on the floor in the mat and all that. I do try to use like a charcoal bar on my armpits. You can also do a charcoal mask. There's one by beauty counter, um, since you're already using that, um, deodorant, but it might just be a phase to get through, which sucks. And I hate saying that, but it might just be a phase to get through. And sometimes when you switch to natural deodorants too, we've talked about this, your body has to kind of go through a detoxification period, because again, you've been putting certain ingredients and fragrances and like antiperspirants and stuff like that aluminum on your pits for so many years that it needs to kind of detoxify and get get off of your body. So that could be part of it too. But it sounds like you it's just it's just the stress of being postpartum. Um so I wish there was like some magical thing. I really do. I don't have yeah. the magical thing.
1: We uh we manage <laughs> we manage as in all this things. Is,
0: this is why I never really wear I love wearing I like showing off my arms. But this is why this is why I wear it like sleeveless. Yeah.
1: The worst for sweat is like a batwing top. What's a batwing what I mean? top? Uh you know when you've got your sleeves are are here but they're loose here or like a or oh, like an off the shoulder yeah. like like a baggy top because yeah. you've got all this like friction you know yes. and and you sweat cuz you're trapping heat here. But yeah, I personally um, I never wear short sleeves ever, ever. Uh, I'll wear like, I'll wear long sleeves in the winter. I love sleeves, but I'm also a sleeveless. Sleeveless kind of just simplifies it. You know, look at how yeah. free my armpits are right now.
0: I know <laughs> I, it actually keeps me cooler. I'm not like, it's not staining anything. So I have so many bodysuits and I have so many tank tops in my, cause that's what I wear during the summer. And I wear a ton of um like halter. Like when I work out, I'm always wearing halter tops. That's just what I have to wear. And it, it does, it keeps me cooler, but I also don't, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have big pit stains. If you love a good serum, I have a new 30% off coupon code for you. One of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, but products also can be high in heavy metals because they become contaminated through extraction and production. I made the switch to clean beauty five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby and make it into breast milk. I tried so many different clean beauty products and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is from Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients and they contain active ingredients, which means they work just as good if not better than the conventional products. They test for all contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I ultimately chose to make the switch. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum and I personally use the counter time tripeptide serum every night, which has totally changed the fine lines around my eyes. Shop beauty counter at beautycounter.com slash Noeltar. Then use the code Clean for All30 to get 30% off your order. You can also join my Clean Beauty list where I share promotions and sales and offer samples. That's at coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash beauty. Again to shop, go to beautycounter.com slash Noeltar and use. Use the coupon code CLEAN for all 30 to get 30% off your first order. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Last question. Now that we've talked about deodorants and pits long enough and sour grapefruits. Question number three is from Elizabeth. She says, I find myself stressing out over all the supplements I sh- that I should and could take. It gets more and more. And every time I read or hear about a new supplement for biohacking, I feel like I absolutely have to take it. Colleen says, same. I started taking the digestive enzymes from bioptimizers because all the benefits, including optimal protein and nutrient absorption and all. And I do love that. I don't seem to get as much GI discomfort anymore, but am I going to have to take them with every meal forever? How do I know when to stop and know when they're benefiting me?
1: Well, the best way to know the effect of something on you is to try it and see, right? And I think this is kind of what these questions are getting at. And, okay, first things first. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of things. What's first? Supplements can be very, very useful. Sometimes they have been... I have felt that they were life-saving for me, right? They can be very useful, uh, but they can also be very easily packaged and sold. (laughs) And I think that's also what these questions are getting at, right? Because, um, you know, we feel tempted to buy things because we think think they're going to help us. We think they're going to bring us some particular benefit. And it's very easy with supplements to worry that we need to be taking it because we don't have like a list of every single nutrient that we could possibly have and the amount we have and the different forms of it. Like, we don't know, like you can get things tested. Right. But you don't have like everything. Right. And, and all of the time, like there's just that knowledge is missing. So lacking that knowledge, it's very easy to be like, Oh yeah, I need that. I could use that. That would help me. Um, and of course people are very good, you know, and I, I sell things for a living too. So I know, how difficult it is to provide value to you while at the same time, like it, it's very easy to feel like you need to buy a supplement. I'm just, like it's very yeah, easy it for somebody to sell to you like right. this thing that's going to help you in a particular way. And so um, first things first, huge fan of getting nutrients from food or natural stuff. Case in point, I started suspecting that I had a vitamin D insufficiency a few months back. And I took vitamin D once and I was like, whoa, this feels really great. And then I was like taking a little bit more and I'm not hundred percent sure, but I started getting these like crazy migraine ores and that may have been somewhat related. I don't know. It may have, I don't know. And so I stopped doing that and I felt like it was probably helping a little bit. And then instead I started making sure that I was spending 20 or 30 minutes outside every day and like shorts and a tank top. And I was fortunate to, this summer, I got to spend in a place where I've seen the clouds like twice. <laughs> and, and the health problems that I was having that I think were related to the vitamin D insufficiency have gone away. So supplements can be great. And I'm not saying, I don't think the vitamin D necessarily like was a part of my headaches, but I decided to go with the sunlight route and that worked. <laughs> and so like food, food is a, is a fantastic delivery mechanism for nutrients. Mm-hmm. It's the one that the body like evolved alongside. So supplements can be great, but you know, you never know. And they can have effects that you are not really sure of. I really like taking magnesium, for example, because I think it does concretely help me sleep at night. At the same time, if I take too much, my muscles get sore because Mm -hmm. all nutrients have effects. Right. And they will have positive benefits, but they could also have things that are neutral or drawbacks or what have you, because bodies are very delicate and they like to maintain their homeostasis as best they can. And if you start taking one thing, right, like sometimes you take magnesium and they're like, oh, well, you should also be taking calcium and zinc because uh, they can like balance each other out. And you. Balance is, 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 I think, in my personal experience, more easily achieved if you're just like focusing on eating whole foods. That being said, if you have a particular deficiency or a particular health problem that you're working through, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of supplements. Um, uh, and I know people, you know, again, myself included in certain situations where supplements like were hugely transformative, um, taking magnesium was huge for me. Um, so that being said, how do you know, uh, if you're interested in something, a have a good reason why, have a good reason why. Whether that's um, because you've done a ton of research about this thing, or you have this symptom, or you have this health history, or this condition in your family, or you think all people are naturally predisposed to being low in this nutrient, such as magnesium, right? Um, have a reason, and then research that particular supplement. Different ways to take that supplement. You know, if you want to be taking iodine, like how many different ways are there to take iodine, right? Or um, a K vitamin or like all these different things. There's so many different ways to take them research a way to take it and then introduce it slowly. And I would give it a few weeks of ramping up a dosage and then being like, has anything changed? And if anything has changed for the better, great. If things have changed for the worse, that's worth looking into do some research, either cut it completely or reduce it. I personally have been taking bromelain to help um, with me recovering from my um, nose stuff. Um, and I started taking too much and I had to titrate it back down and now I found a good, like the right dose. Right. So sometimes you have to find the right dose and then you take something for a while and you're like, do I need to be taking this anymore? Some things of lifelong benefits, you know, like if, uh, you're taking B vitamins because you have an MTHFR mutation or what have you, like maybe that's a lifelong, maybe vitamin D, maybe magnesium, lifelong stuff, maybe, uh, or you can get some blood work done and be like, oh, my vitamin D levels are up where they are. And now I'm getting some sunlight. So I don't need to take it anymore. So, blood work is a way to go. Um, and another is to just stop and see, you know. And I, unfortunately, like it's, it's hard, you know, and it can take time and, and patience, but like these are the ways we collect data. So that's it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I don't really have anything else to say besides. So <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry. I talk talk well, for a long time. I, I come, I like wholeheartedly agree. I think the, so I will just mention, we always prioritize you know always prioritize food if there if you're taking a supplement and you know you could get it by eating more of a certain food you need to eat the food okay <laughs> like eat the food um i don't love that we've kind of gotten to this place of like oh, well, it's not something I want to include in my diet or I'm not just getting enough of it or whatever. And then we are like, but we'll just take the supplement. Everything will be fine. It's not fine. It doesn't work that way. You can, if you're taking handfuls of supplements, I promise you it's going to be doing more harm than good. It needs to be, whatever supplements you're using, it needs to be intentional and it needs to be food first, diversifying what nutrients you're getting from your food, whether it's iron or fat soluble vitamins or from, you know, vitamin D from the sun or you know, B12, all that kind of stuff, like uh, these common nutrients that people are deficient in are usually found readily in foods that the, you know, our culture kind of has scared people away from. So it just takes shifting your mindset away from a lot of the garbage and saying, I'm going to eat nutrient-dense whole foods and get most of my nutrients from those foods. Um, And then, and like, you know, drink bone broth instead of take bone broth protein, just saying, Um, like that sort of thing. That's kind of stuff just like drives me mad. Um, not to say that you need to feel bad if you take things, because I also know there's this other side of the coin, which is it's hard. Life is hard. (laughs) It's hard to get, it's hard to be very intentional with eating oysters because you need to get your zinc and making sure you're eating seaweed so you can get your iodine. Like I get it. It's a lot. And so sometimes we need the easy button and that is where supplements are great. I think it's great to tinker with supplements. Um, That you think may truly benefit you because you you're struggling with something like digestive issues and you're using digestive enzymes and that really helps like that's awesome. You might need to take them long term, you might be able to stop them and then you see how you're doing and you do great. So like, I think it just takes being open and constantly experimenting um, with something like digestive enzymes. What you can do is like reduce the dose or just take them for like one to two meals a day or take them when you have a protein heavy meal or take them when you're traveling and you know that your digestion digestion is going to be impaired. But, you know, keep just keep an open mind to all of that the feeling of like, Oh, I'm going to stress. I feel like so stressed about my supplements. And like, every time I hear something, then I just need to take it. Like, I do feel like that's sort of, I think we need to recognize that for what it is. And that is less, Oh, I want to be healthy and more of, I want to control my health. And I feel like, um, it's sort of almost like, a reincarnation or, or, or a shift of these like strict dieting behaviors, maybe that we once had. And it's kind of spilling out into our health management, which is like, oh, I need to be super in control of everything, which you can't, by the way, you cannot control things. And like taking a supplement is not going to like, put you more in control of your health. <laughs> um, It can, it can support you, it can help you for a period of time, but it's not, it's not going to be the thing that like changes your health. Um, it can be, if you have a severe, deficiency and it's keeping you alive, but we're not talking about it within this context. We're talking about the, the marketing of like every little nutrient supplement now being available in a pill or a bottle or a powder. Um, so I would make sure that you, when you feel the urge of like, Oh no, I've got to take that, or I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be healthy. Take a step back and kind of resettle or, or recreate you know, your foundation, remind yourself of what it is that you believe about health and and how you can maybe take note of how you can diversify your diet a little bit more, be more intentional about getting in a specific nutrient. You know, for example, I was like, oh, we haven't had, like, we're not really getting in iodine. So like recently I've started, I've for just something I forgot about. So like I've been buying seaweed more and the kids love their seaweed snacks. So like we just snack on those once a week. So just be intentional about you know, diversifying your diet, doing the best you can and but also recognizing I can't no supplement's gonna like completely um put me in control of my health. And I've gotta be able to like let go of that and not be persuaded by that and make rational decisions based on what's gonna help me long term and also recognize if this doesn't work for me. I can let go of it. Like I I'm going to drop it. I have dropped many things. Um many supplements. You know, I've taken different nutrients and different things and I've dropped most of them except like magnesium, L-theanine and like, you know, I have my stuff, vitamin C, zinc when I'm sick and that's really changed my health. I've seen a significant difference in taking certain things when I'm coming down with sickness versus when I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. So Short term, great. If you need to be on something long term, be okay with taking it out and just making sh- seeing if it still is working for you. I really like the idea of using nutrients when I feel like I need them or when I'm becoming symptomatic again. Um, you know, magnesium's the one thing I take every night, but otherwise, it's usually like my dose is dependent on my symptoms and how I'm feeling. So,
1: yeah. Um, speaking of personal experience, I was and you were talking about cutting things out. Uh huh. I had been working on this histamine intolerance thing for a long time. And I tried a whole bunch of different histamine supplements, which I know I shared with our audience and I was, yeah, I was doing all that kind of stuff. And then, um, it was regular sunlight. I think, uh, my, my symptoms are gone and yeah. And so I, am not really taking those things anymore. I do have them, uh, in case, you know, uh, and I do, I will get a histamine, like, you know, symptom here or there. But uh yeah, I did end up realizing that, you know, they weren't serving me. And I did also notice sometimes when I took too much of them that there were like other effects. Right. Um, and so uh, yeah, I am. I'm I'm wary of of including things unless I'm, you know, doing a targeted approach.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So was the histamine stuff more prominent when you were in Boston and then you moved to France and it kind of went away?
1: Yeah, well it started when I was in Boston and then it was it was there like throughout. It started pretty early on uh and I thought it had to do with uh coffee and a high histamine diet and those things were definitely factors. Mm-hmm. But I noticed like I was just I, um, what did how did I why did I decide to take vitamin D? So I was having a I was having a reaction to coffee that wasn't um it was like immediate right and so that got me thinking about uh mold like the trace amounts of mold in coffee and so then I thought well maybe it's actually like a mast cell regulation issue in which case Maybe I should be looking at this differently. Maybe I shouldn't be trying to lower my histamine levels. Maybe what I should be trying to do is support my body in processing histamine, right? Because there's different things. It's another one of those things Like I could eat a low histamine diet or I could help my body, you know, bolster the enzymatic processes that are involved in in histamine. So I I decided to dial more into supporting my body in that way. And I just started by trying a, um, a vitamin D supplement. And I was like, oh, I think this is maybe doing something. But then I, I wasn't sure if it was, it was playing a role in the weird headaches I was getting. And that was, uh, there were other things that could have been playing a role <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I could talk about another time. And so then I started, um, I was in England actually still experiencing histamine intolerant symptoms when I decided to start getting regular sunlight and that like, uh, yeah, now, now it's not really much of a, much of a problem, still a little bit, but way, yeah. way, way better than it was before. Um, yeah. So just interesting.
0: Yeah. I just wonder if like stress played a role in that too, you know,
1: could have, um, absolutely. And this was, you know, after the two years, but it was after two years of lockdown and being alone indoors by myself, like there was so much yeah, uh, going on for my health then. Um, and I think, uh, stress, the stress of, of like that and loneliness was in me trying to make sense of everything. Like that was the heaviest, heaviest part, but that started even before like things got really stressful. <laughs> They were just a medium stressful. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so I don't know. It could have, it could have been anything? It could have been the stress that could definitely play a role. Um, but I, I, I do. My feeling, my intuition is that the the sun exposure has been quite relevant. And I lived in England for six years, you know, and I wasn't eating any vitamin D containing foods. So.
0: Yeah, is it sunnier in France? Immensely,
1: where oh, I am wow. today is the first cloudy day I've seen in a month. Every other day, it's like blue blue just blue <laughs> it's bizarre for me because i've always lived in cloudy places always um and i think it's making this is the most tan i have ever been in my life right now. <laughs> i love it
0: yeah you look you look well stephanie <laughs> Thank you. You, look, you do okay that's it from us for more from stephanie health to for more from me go to coconuts thanks for being here guys we will talk to you next week